is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on this Tuesday, August 24th, 2021. I am Paul Gallant and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Big thanks to Michael Bumpus stepping up yesterday, filling in for me, one of the hardest working guys at this station. I'm pretty thrilled that the Mariners have been able to shake off a Friday and Saturday performance that I watched from afar while at a wedding in Milwaukee and just pretended that the games didn't happen. But then Sunday took place and you had that great showdown between Paul Seawald and Yuli Gurriel, the bases are loaded. It gets to a 3-2 count, foul tip, foul tip. But then he gets him out with a high strikeout. And then yesterday, the Mariners found themselves in a precarious situation. Once again, they're down one run. It's the ninth inning. Who else coming in to save the day like the French at the end of the American Revolution? It is Ty Viva La France. The stretch and the pitch. Swing and a well-hit ball. Into right center field. Back of the ball, Marte to the one. He tracked to the wall, and goodbye baseball. Ty France does it again. He ties up the ball game with an opposite field home run. Holy smokes, it's the Mariners three. And the A's three here in the ninth. Ty France did it yesterday in Houston. He tied the ball game in the ninth inning in that one. He has been on fire. It's been incredible to see what he's been doing. Hopefully he will be able to keep it up. Talking with Shannon Dreyer this morning, this has been him with the Mariners. She brought up, look, outside of the time that he spent injured, he's a 300 hitter. And now, four home runs in his last five games, adding a little bit of pop to the equation. I have a question for you guys. This is the question of the day. The Mariners are now 7-4 and four against Oakland this year. Are they a better team than the Oakland A's? 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can tweet me at Galan says. It's hard to make that argument because baseball people like stats more than feel, vibes. You look at the team batting average. The A's have a better team batting average. They have a better team OPS. They have a better team slugging percentage. They have a better team ERA. They have a slightly .001 better team fielding percentage. They have a better record. And yet, for whatever reason, it just works for Seattle. This matchup. So to answer that question, yeah. They're better because their formula for victory, plus pitching, especially in the bullpen, defense, and when you add those two up, you have two really solid foundational backbones of your team. You have two backbones. I don't know if you necessarily want that, but you have two things that, you can rely on on a regular basis. You add the late arriving offense in, it would be nice if it showed up a little bit earlier, all right? I mean, we get that enough with the Seahawks. <laughs> Please show up. Can you win the game of the first quarter? Can you win the game of the second quarter? I-, I would like to see games won in the first inning and the second inning. Maybe that's not possible against teams like the Texas Rangers, but this reality has got to be pretty tough for Oakland that Seattle just 
has the edge on them this year. Because they're supposed to be the weathered playoff team. And remember, it wasn't too long ago that Cole Irvin, who, by the way, is on the Hill for Oakland this afternoon, had this to say about a performance against the Mariners where he got shellacked. Really, a team like that, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of weak contact and, and some swings that, you know, ended up being hits but i think at the at the end of the day uh you know just pitch pitch execution needs to be a lot better and and a, and a team like that should not be putting up 10 hits against against me or or anyone i mean i'm 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 extremely disappointed in in my efforts tonight they did it again a little bit later and you had a's manager bob melvin in the last series between these two teams after trevino had a meltdown he had another one last night on, on a Saturday night, it took an oddity for them to score a run. Oakland has no idea how this is happening. And this is, I think, my favorite part. In that the A's, whose fans I have no beef with, the A's are probably confused as to how they're going to be able to hold off Seattle at this point in time. And those other wildcard teams. Because really, they are based off of just about every single thing outside of vibe, gut, they're better. And yet, here we see this happening over and over again. And I love it. I love the reactions that the Mariners had to Cole Irvin, whether it was Tom Murphy. This was the of the two that I preferred. Here's Tom responding to Cole Irvin. Honestly, we don't even remember facing him. Like, yeah, I mean, we came in today just like he was every other pitcher, and yeah, you know, we treated him just like we would a pitcher like that. There we go. A pitcher like that. Kyle Seeger, meanwhile, a different approach. Here's Kyle's response to Cole Irvin. Oh, that that pitcher, the pitcher said that? Yeah. Oh, yeah I didn't I didn't even know we'd faced him before. So yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> it's fantastic. He is on the hill for Oakland today, and Oakland, they're in the midst of a really tough stretch. And while I don't know if the Mariners are going to be able to punch a ticket and win the wild card, they're going to need some help, of course, from some of the teams in front of them. Oakland's given them that help, and Oakland does not have a very easy schedule ahead of them after this game that they play against the Mariners. So Oakland's catchable. The most interesting stat that we've seen in the last 24 hours with the Seattle Mariners, is one that we saw right before the start of the show. In 25 of Seattle's 126 games this season, the Mariners took the lead in their final at-bat to win the game. That's 20% almost of the games they've played this year. Only one team in American League history has had a higher percentage of their games end in a last at-bat victory. The 1918 Washington Senators, who I believe were also playing in a pandemic of sorts. And I actually know someone who played on that team. The great Walter Johnson, one of the best pitchers of all time. He had 400-plus wins. I mean, think about how often they were throwing those guys up on the hill. He pitched for 20 years. That's the last time that a team has been able to do this. But there's no Walter Johnson, at least yet, on this Mariners team. You know, They don't have a Hall of Fame player, one of the best pitchers of their day. Paul Seawalt's pitching awesome, and Ty France has been good. But it's really hard to fathom how they are better than a team like Oakland, but 
I think you have to say they are right now. We got some responses to this question. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. There are still eight games left against Oakland to even up that 7-4 and four record. No doubt about it, but do you feel like Oakland has it in the bag? I look at Oakland, I look at Houston, I look at two totally different classes of baseball teams. Houston's, based off of what they did to Seattle, even if they are in the midst of a bit of a dry spell, that team is scary. Oakland, I look at them and I'm like, oh, I can do that. And I think that's how Seattle looks at them, and that's the only way you can. They have never really been that impressive to me. It's just a continuation, seemingly, of what the last 20 years have been for them, where they're going to field a competitive product. They're not going to invest enough in said product to actually give them names that terrify you. And some of the guys on that team that, you know, a couple of years ago were pretty good, you're like, oh, what, what happened to him? They let Marcus Simeon walk this offseason. What's his name? Is it Matt Chapman at third base who has been a shell of himself this season? Text in, 710-710. Are the Mariners better than the Oakland A's? They are not a better team from a macro perspective, but they do well against them head-to-head. That's all. Text in. This is from Brittany. I think you hit the nail on the head with the idea of matchups. Disagree that the M's are a better team. They're not a better team. They're just a pesky matchup for the A's. And maybe it's because of the bullpen. Oakland's bullpen clearly not looking so good. Seattle's bullpen, meanwhile, yeah, absolutely making it happen. And there's been a couple of times where Oakland has had Seattle, right, where you would think that they want them, and they just have puked it away. And it's weird because, again, that's the team that's been in the playoffs. That's the team that supposedly has the it factor, the experience, the veteran savvy. You don't see it, and that's why they're not that intimidating. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show. We'll keep that question going. Are the Mariners actually better than the Oakland A's? Even though they're, you know, two games behind the A's, have a worse batting average, a worse slugging percentage, a worse fielding percentage, a worse team ERA. Because I feel like they are. Maybe it's all matchups, though, as Brittany said. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can watch the Paul Gallant Show, 710sports.com slash video. I'm wearing my cool Mariners baseball t-shirt with the Trident, which is apparently bad luck. Fine, it might be bad luck. Ooh, that is the upside-down one. Yeah, but, you know, Maura, it looks good. <laughs> I like all the Mariners' looks except for the one that they wear on a regular basis every single night. I think that one is the most boring. Give me teal, because they win every game that they're in teal, or give me this. But uh, the in-between, no. No. Too much. It's, it's, just, it's just too boring. Anyway, you can also listen to the 710 app on your smart speaker. This hour of the Paul Galan Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. It's time for What's Trending, brought to you by King's Heating and Air with Maura Dooley. What's up, Maura? Hi. I'm a big fan of the Sunday jerseys. The Sunday jerseys are fresh. Yes. It's not white jerseys. They're cream colored, right? Yeah. Why do they choose cream? A question I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of. But <laughs> they do look really sharp. They just pop. And the ones that they wear every day... The white ones, the the gray ones, I don't know. They just they just they kind of just blend in, and and I feel like they're a little boring because it's like, all right, here's navy blue and a little bit of teal, but otherwise, I mean, wow, we're just a navy blue team. There's too many navy blue teams. Hot take. Yeah. <laughs> Fashionista Paul here. 
All right. Well, we talked a little bit about this earlier today on the Danny Engelon show. I know that it's uh, something that can be interpreted multiple ways, but Pete Carroll answered questions about Dwayne Brown's recent absence at practice and the outlook for week one on Friday. No, he's he had to go home. He had a, uh, an urgent family issue, and he's been gone for a couple of days. He's, he's back today. Do you have any concern about the opener? No, I'm not concerned about that. Brown has held out before, but there's a part of me that's starting to talk myself into thinking this isn't necessarily a situation that's going to result in a holdout. You compare the two situations. Bob McNair and Dwayne Brown did not see eye to eye on a variety of different things. And Dwayne Brown went all out. Just check out. When before the game that the Texans had against the Seahawks in 2017, it had come to light that during a meeting with, um, I think, league officials, that McNair, talking about, I think, players kneeling, said, we can't have the... Inmates, inmates running, running the, the prison. Asylum, right? But he said inmates running that. the prison. And and I remember people got all bent out of shape about it. I, I thought it was overdone a little bit. I had never heard inmates running the prison. I've heard inmates running the asylum very often. Yeah, you're right. That's what I've heard. But you're right. He did say prison. I remember. Yeah. And I can understand how some people might take offense to it. Like, it's, hey, like, really? So that that's, that's what these guys are? So... That is something that Dwayne Brown had, and that was the final straw. And he had already had issues with the Texans, who are a dumpster fire organization. (laughs) I covered them. This situation is different. And while Dwayne definitely wants more money, and the Seahawks probably aren't going to give it to him, there is a part of me feeling like the odds of a holdout, while possible with Dwayne Brown, maybe things aren't as bad as we thought that they were. Maybe I should just take Pete Carroll at his word. If he's not concerned about Dwayne Brown missing week one, maybe I should wait until he actually misses week one to start freaking out about it. Uh, I, I agree with you. Um, talking to Brock earlier today, too, I think like that sounds like it's going to be a pretty big paycheck he's going to have to miss if he wants yeah. to commit to this. But um, it's just a tough spot all the way around. I see why they wouldn't want to extend him. He does have kind of a problematic knee where he has been super durable and he has gone out there and battled through it. But I feel like you kind of cross your fingers every year that he's going to be able to get through it. And he's 36, but I'm looking at the average per year salary for left tackles in the NFL. And it is crazy to see. Let's see. I mean, he's down like 15th. Yeah. And And I don't think people think he's the 15th best left tackle in the NFL. I think he's like top five. Mora, he had the number two pass block win rate in the NFL last year, second only to Andrew Whitworth, who is going to turn 40 this year. Tackles can make it happen at this age. We are getting to a point where there is less wear and tear on them. I'm not saying it's to be expected, but 36-year-old Dwayne Brown, I think is a proven player year in, year out until proven otherwise. Yeah. He's there 12 to 14 games a year. You can see both sides of the argument. So I yeah. guess you just have to hope that he's not going to want to miss the, you know, the good paycheck he already has. Maybe not where it should be, but a pretty good paycheck week one. What's up next? All right. 49ers uh, Sports Illustrated reporter Grant Cohn thinks that Kyle Shanahan may have stopped himself short of revealing something about Trey Lance here. Let's see what you think. Do you grade him on a curve a little bit because this isn't quite exactly what Trey Lance can do? 
Um, not totally. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. It depends what you mean by grading them. I'm just trying to get them better and get them ready for the. Um, so we try to work on the things to get better at. He paused for a moment there, and people are overanalyzing the pause, but maybe they're not. I think Kyle Shanahan has been messing with everybody since the start of the offseason. And you know what? Good for him because the 24-hour news cycle, whether it's news or sports, has turned conversations about actual things into, oh, no, I need content. I'm going to talk about this little moment and try to come up with some interesting spinoff that nobody else has. But a lot of people were hearing this online. They're saying, did he almost reveal his hand here? He did this earlier this offseason. Everyone thought the 49ers were going to take Mac Jones third overall. They take Trey Lance. I think he's trolling everybody. Now, I could be wrong and overthinking it myself, but he does seem like the kind of person who might do something like that. He was asked a little bit earlier. I'll check that. He was asked, I think, on, was it after the game? On Sunday or Saturday at his press conference when he's going to announce a starting quarterback. And he said, not now. And, and he was just cheeky and smiling and laughing at the guy. Like, And he said, well, when are you going to announce it? Whenever I feel like it. He's messing with people, I think, right now. I like it. It's entertaining. I think it, it's part of the draft when you have a first or early first-round pick to try to mislead people. Like, he's not the first one to do that. But do you really think at this point when they're, like, this far into preparation for the season that he's worried about trolling people? I think he should have better things on his mind. Probably, but also if you're stuck doing these stupid press conferences, which you do like five times a week, I mean, there's a part of me that would probably get bored. It's pretty crazy. I mean, we we, we talk more to we get more access to NFL coaches than we get to politicians. Like, yeah, you can actually ask coaches questions. They're not going to necessarily ever give you the truth, but they are way more accessible to politicians. So I think if I'm up there every single day, yeah, I would start messing around. That is what's trending, everybody. Brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. We even hit the post there. 206-421-3776 is how you call. And you can text in to 710-710, the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. In about 12 minutes, the Graz is going to join me in the sports pit. We're going to talk about the do's and don'ts of apologies for Everson Griffin, of booing, and how I heckled a Milwaukee riverboat this weekend. And we'll also talk about those Mariners. More importantly, those Mariners. you got to answer this question. Are the Mariners better than the Ace? 206-421-3776-710-710. The Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Akalon says on Twitter, your chance to be heard is right now. Your voice. Your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. A couple of tweets in response to the question. Akalon says at 710 ESPN Seattle. Probably not, said Ty Gonzalez. But the Mariners have a far superior bullpen, and that's been a huge piece to it, particularly in their head-to-head matchups. And he just gave me a, I think this is from Pro Baseball Reference, uh, whatever the case, just comparing the bullpens. And yeah, I mean, that has been the strength of this team this year. Third in baseball, with or without Kendall Graveman, still making it happen. Oakland, meanwhile, 20th. That's a pretty big difference, and if you're talking about a team that's patient, that must be the key to this season's success. They just wait you out. They hang in, they hang in, they hang in, and they wait for your mistakes. It's akin to, I've made this comparison before, the Wabigong, which is a bottom-feeding shark that 
sits on the ground. It sort of blends in with the dirt. Animals will pick at it, pick at it, pick at it. Like, actually, I think, like, it just loses chunks of itself to animals eating it all the time. And then eventually, boom, he's going to pop up. He's going to eat one of those fish. That's what they've been. And it's been Ty France who's been the one doing all the biting of late. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Before answering the question of whether the Mariners are better than the A's, maybe you should answer the question of are the Mariners better than the Tampa Bay Rays? Ooh. Well, matchup-wise, yeah. I mean, if you're good in a matchup against the Rays and against the Blue Jays and against the A's, they all rhyme. That's interesting. Maybe not. Then you got to look for the commonality, and I, I, I would guess that the commonality is the bullpens. Um, to go back to this chart that our buddy sent us, Ty Gonzalez, to, uh, Tampa Bay supposedly has the best bullpen in baseball. So I don't, I don't know if you necessarily say that, okay, they can be better than the Rays if, if their bullpen's not even better. Like, what are you pointing to? What are you pointing to as the reason? But when you get a four-game sweep and then you take two or three, maybe you have to? Say they're better just because of the win losses. It's strange though. It's it's hard to point at any specific physical evidence to support the idea of the Mariners are better than the A's. You're entirely going off of feel, vibes, etc. And I know baseball people in particular hate that. That's sort of how I roll when it comes to watching things. How do I feel watching this? How do I feel watching Diego Castillo on the mound? Not good. <laughs> Similar to Rafael Montero. Hopefully he's a go okay. Hopefully the shoulder injury was the cause of his issues when he first came here. But when I see them against Oakland, when I see them against Tampa Bay, I I don't feel intimidated. I, I look at those two teams as teams that are, for the most part, on your level. They're not outspending you. They're not significantly outscoring you. They're just... Teams that are slightly better than you, but long-term, when you get your young players up here, supposedly playing at their best, you're going to take that next step. 206-421-3776. We do have a call, and let's get to him right about now. It's Robert in Kingsgate. Who else? Robert, what's up? Hey, Paul. You know, I know you're expecting me to be all negative about the marriage. I am. Where but, it is. You know, <laughs> I know. But, you know, I got to – well. I could be, but no, don't. I have to say that. I have to say that right now. No, we're not as good as Oakland, but I see that Oakland is stagnating as we're progressing. Look at all around the field. You know, on our side, we got J.P. Crawford. I call him the black hole. The ball hit to his. You know, it's gone. You know what I mean? He he sucks it up. It's not Back going to- anywhere. Then you got, you know, France, who came out of nowhere, just a power-bashing hitter. And I'm like, okay, yeah, Oakland, you're good this year. You're probably better than us this year. But just wait till next year. You guys are going to be our little red-headed stepchild just getting spanked around. So, yeah, this year they're better. But next year we're going to kick their buns. They're buns. I know you can't say that. Okay, no, no, you said it. That's that's fine. Buns. Yeah, we, we 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 can say that on the air. Appreciate the phone call, Robert. I like that he's actually positive, optimistic for a change. I think they're better than him now. This is a funny text though. Seven ten, seven ten. 
on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Let's go a step further. Are the Mariners better than Detroit? I'm not answering that question. Up next is LeGras. He joins me in the sports pit. And we'll talk about Ty France and the Mariners. Another incredible come-from-behind victory where you're like, yeah, I guess we expect this now. We'll talk about that and more. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness... You're gonna get your, you're gonna, you're gonna fail. With Paul Galanis. And thanks to Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, I am joined by the great and powerful Graz. Graz, I didn't watch Friday or Saturday. I saw the Mariners got clubbed like seals, and then on <laughs> Sunday and Monday, it's a rerun. We get Ty France game tying homers, and we see this team continue to do something that hasn't been done really since 1918 in the Washington Senators. They win. Very often, thanks to their last at bats, a plucky bunch of ball players, right? Mm-hmm. An old phrase like that works for them well. I mean, there's just something to be said for having that confidence um, going into going into late inning situations. Uh, we had some teams here that that specialized in that, and and the phrase "refuse to lose" was used uh, all all the time around here for for teams that kind of had that characteristic of of uh, coming from behind and. You know, once you've done it a few times, it, it becomes something you're confident in, and this team is definitely confident in it. They are confident, too, against the better teams in the sport, and they have the Rays number this year. They have the Blue Jays number. This year, we'll see how things end with Boston. They do have a series left against Boston um, the rest of the way. Things have not worked out with the Yankees. Things have obviously not worked out with the Astros, but mm-hmm. they have the A's number. They're 7-4 and four against them. You look at Oakland, Graz, and... I mean, they do have the advantage in everything numerically, it seems like, outside of maybe the bullpen. But the Mariners have their number. Is Seattle just better than Oakland? Um, they got they got they caused problems for them in a head-to-head matchup. So uh, I, I wouldn't I'd say on balance, probably Oakland is the better team, and, and their record shows it. But but the Mariners are a better matchup for them, and and if they played them 162 times, the Mariners would would likely be the team with the winning record. Um, boy, by the way, I, I what they call the crowd 4,100 last night in oh, Oakland. Oh boy, yeah. I'm saying it looked like 2,500. I'll, I'll give them credit for for. For just a couple of thousand woebegone fans, they make a lot of noise. But what an embarrassing situation that is in Oakland for Major League Baseball. It really I mean, is. You, and, 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 you know, you got to defend the actual city itself. Do you really want to throw a fan base away just like that and, and pick up in a different market? It, it doesn't always pick up uh, in, in, in certain markets. I know we've, we've both watched that awesome documentary, the, uh, battered bastards of, of baseball about, right. you know, the, the, the Portland Mavericks. And I mean, that was a independent league team, but that team really captured uh, a city's attention. The A's do have really good fans, the ones who show up, but when you are consistently just dropping the, the bird on your, on, on your fans and then the, the league itself isn't standing up. It is sad. The league's, out there, they do not really seem ultimately to care that much about the fan bases that get saddled with losing a professional team. You would think that they would maybe learn from that, but that's clearly not happening with baseball. Well, the thing with Oakland too is, is uh, I mean, you, you can get on get on people for not showing up to watch a good team, which is what they have. 
But uh, the Oakland Coliseum, I, I don't know if you've Dump. had the pleasure of going there. Have you? It is, oh, yeah. Oh, Ooh. yeah, yeah. I lived in Northern California for a while. It was a dump in the 80s when I lived in Northern California. Oh, my it gosh. Was the, it was probably the dumpiest ballpark there was, and that was that was 40 years ago. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's hard, to, hard to blame them for going. And, look, I also don't blame the people of Oakland for not, not wanting to build a stadium. They shouldn't have to foot the bill for something like that as well. So what you wind up with, if you've got stubborn ownership to a degree, is you wind up with the situation you have there with, with the absolute worst ballpark, uh, with a tiny fan base, and it, as it turns out, supporting uh, one of your better teams. You know, they've got this, a similar situation in Tampa. You know, it's not, not quite as bad, but it's similar. I mean, Tampa is terrific, and they draw flies. I mean, they you've got, you, you, you in a sense, you're wasting two of your best franchises on, on fan bases that, that, for whatever reason, aren't very supportive. Hey, the, what I know about Tampa Bay, it's legitimately difficult to get to the ballpark if you're living in anywhere outside of St. Petersburg. And also, that ballpark is not liked by many. I actually kind of like it, but that was mainly because I only Did lived you? a couple of blocks away from it. Yeah, and it was like $10 tickets. So I was like, what are you expecting? You know? I hear you. <laughs> you, I get, hear you. you get what you're paying for. Uh, so, Ty France, what he has been doing, is this sustainable? Is this what we're going to expect out of Ty France going forward? I mean, now he's got four home runs in his last five games. The power development of late has been very exciting. I think if you look at, I think uh, Gary Hill put put the numbers out what his what his slashes were for a full season for his yes, last 162 games. What was it like? 17 home runs, 85 runs batted in, hitting about 270. I'd say he's 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 a little bit north of that right now is what you're looking at. You're looking at a player who's a 20 plus home run player who, who can you know if you if you're looking still looking at average can can hit for average uh, is is defensively adept at two positions. I mean it is it goes without saying he's a building block. I mean he's he's a piece you're building around and uh, he, he, in my opinion he can get better. I'm sure he can get better. So. Yeah, I think this is this is the real guy, and and um, and he, he bodes well for them in the future because he's versatile. I mean, he's a good player who can play a couple positions. Those guys are valuable, and you always seem to find them on teams that are winning. Someone's got to help him. I I feel like it's Mitch Haniger. I mean, that's a guy yeah. who in in the last two series against Houston, he's he's two for twenty five, and that's one of the more disappointing things about the week. And he did have the home run on uh, I believe it was on Saturday, but this is something that you just look at and, and and you're hoping that you're actually going to get somebody else to step up right now you're seeing some of the guys trend downwards whether it's Hanniger or it's JP Crawford and you just get like once every couple of games you have one of those Kyle Seeger oh yeah I can hit home runs and get RBIs right. days right right although man he's gonna wind up with 30 plus and 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 close to 100 if not over 100 so yeah go, going down the stretch they do need it I think that's why there there our eyes are are very interested in what Kyle Lewis does in his rehab. Uh, there's no reason why he couldn't pop for a month if he's healthy, uh, like he did last year, and that would be a huge plus. I mean, uh, like like trading for a for a player sort of circumstance. So I think there's there's probably some real hope from the Mariners' standpoint that they can add him into the mix and uh, that that can help a little bit. But you know, they've got some guys who are just good players. It strikes me, you know, Jake Bowers uh, last night and and um, Jake Fraley. Consistently, guys who, 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 for the most part, make game-winning plays, and it's what makes this team exciting still. And and look, they're they're what ten games over 500. I mean, they are. This is a good baseball team with a chance to go to the postseason here on August the 24th. A couple of questions before we hit the road, Graz. If you're Everson Griffin, you called Kirk Cousins butt, and now you sign with the Minnesota Vikings. 
<laughs> How would you apologize here? I, I've, I've been taught different ways to apologize by my parents. My mom always wanted me to write a handwritten note, and my dad would try to make the situation amusing for himself by demanding that I apologize with a British accent. I don't know if either of those are going to work out necessarily in this case. What, what would you do here? Um, I think, you know, considering the considering who the two guys are and where they play, just probably a nod is going to have to be enough. Hey. Yeah. Hey, we're all right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're okay. We're okay. But they're not okay. <laughs> no, that doesn't seem like they are, but... Well, that's a messed up franchise anyway, for crying out loud. Yeah, they are. They are. It's weird to see what's going to happen with them this year. Uh, and one last story. This is just a personal one. I really just wanted to talk about this because I very much was pleased with myself for this. So, guys, we were, we were driving back to the airport yesterday from Milwaukee, and I, I'd seen this tweet from, from Tariq Cohen the other day about how, oh, you shouldn't boo Mitchell Trubisky. And I'm like, actually, no, y- you should be able to boo him. And <laughs> I was so inspired by this tweet that – we were at this drawbridge for 20 minutes waiting for one of those Milwaukee riverboat tours to go by, and we are just sitting there for a long time. So eventually the boat passes by, and I just rolled down the window and started booing it, and I said, don't come back, and uh, we hate you. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that was called for, and perhaps I ruined Milwaukee tourism, but I, I think a good boo every now and then is important. I think I think you gave uh, you gave probably a half dozen to a dozen people a very good story to tell, <laughs> thanks to your good quality booing. Which yes, booing there is always a place and there is always a time for the good quality heckle. I like that. Hey, Roz, always love it talking to you, man. We'll do it again on Thursday. Sounds great, Paul. Thanks, buddy. That is the great and powerful Graz. The question of today's show: Are the Mariners better than the Ace? They're seven and four against them this year. There's an interesting question about a potential Mariner reinforcement. Sounds like we're going to see it happen very, very soon, but how do you handle him? I'll answer that next. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle. We may have some news on the horizon. Luke Wilson. Long-time Seahawk favorite. Maybe back. A very fun personality. Seahawks obviously have some tight end issues with Colby Parkinson likely out for a bit of time. He tweeted out a gif, as the kids say, or gif. I don't know what it is. People always tell me it's one and I forget and I say the other. But it's Luke Skywalker taking his hood off at the end of The Force Awakens as I believe Ray comes up to him with the old lightsaber. So, fantastic way to potentially announce that he's back. I didn't see anything from Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter out there. Maura, did you? No, not yet. But the last time he came back, he did, he did he tweeted something with like the Undertaker rising up. So this is this is on par for how he usually announces that he's returning because it has happened a few times now. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is a, this would be his fourth stint in Seattle. So. Fun personality to have, and, and, and hopefully that means that we'd be able to get him on with uh, Danny and me one of the next couple of days, weeks, something like that. Also some news, and this, this is from the world of pop culture. I, I will admit that I am pretty musically challenged, that I'm not exactly someone who you should be going to for advice or tips about what music is best. However... I, I, I did think it's important to acknowledge that Charlie Watts, the longtime drummer for the Rolling Stones, passed away today. 
I was someone who was raised by old music, and the Rolling Stones are one of my favorite bands. In fact, you know, if you got to compare the two best ones, and I, you know, the Who is up there as well. But the, the guys coming out of England, like I, I, I've, I love the Rolling Stones significantly more than I like the Beatles. And in no particular order, my uh, top five favorite songs: number five, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Number three, Sympathy for the Devil. Excuse me, four, Sympathy for the Devil. Number number three, Do 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 Do, which is Heartbreaker. Number two, You Can't Always Get What You Want. Number one, Gimme Shelter. Throw Gimme Shelter into any movie whatsoever, and it makes for a fantastic montage. So, Rolling Stones are a fantastic band. It's really sad news about Charlie Watts. I'm sure a lot of people out there are big Stones fans. So just wanted to bring that up. I like old music. Classic rock's my go-to. The good news for the Seattle Mariners that could be potentially on the horizon, it has to do with the return of one Kyle Lewis. He's expected to begin a rehab start as soon as this weekend, which means that he would probably start out with a designated hitter role and then build up to some time in the outfield. I don't know how much time I want him in the outfield for. Because I don't want someone's worst habits to get the better of them. And I say that from this perspective. George Springer is an outfielder who gets hurt from time to time. George Springer is somebody who goes all out. I I think center fielders have this sort of psychopathic nature to them when it comes to their approach trying to catch balls at the wall. If you're out there in the field, are you going to really tell Kyle Lewis to not go 100%? Would you have told that to Ken Griffey Jr.? You probably would have, just because it would have, I would imagine, taken a lot of the injuries that he suffered, and specifically in Cincinnati, all that time that he missed, perhaps, um, you get it back. You see more of him. But you put an outfielder out there? I, I feel like you are going to go after that as hard as you can, and that, that leaves, I think, the possibility of potential re-injury. I want to play it as carefully as I can this year. He is... As Danny has been describing with some of the players on the Seahawks this year, like we were talking about Alden Smith earlier before he got cut, uh, saying it with Rashad Penny now, I think that Kyle Lewis is gravy for you. I, I, I don't have any expectations, but if he is back in the lineup, considering you still have some guys who are struggling, you definitely would like to see a little bit more of him than the occasional Jake Bowers night. But shout out to Jake Bowers for getting that clutch two-run hit. The question of today's show, 7-10, 7-10 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Man, I have sympathy for the sports talk radio host that really thinks we care about what his favorite music is. Eh, just trying to be personable, everybody. At Galant says on Twitter is also how you tweet in. A couple of texts that we got in response to the question of today's show. Are the Mariners, who are 7-4 and four against the Oakland A's this year, are they better than Oakland? Paul, they are close writes one texter. I might even have given them the edge in my mind had they played better this last weekend against Houston. I do know that starting pitching needs to be forgiven every once in a while. Everybody's going to have a stinker of a game. Yeah, you definitely got that out of Kikuchi and Logan Gilbert. Gilbert's had a couple of those recently. Gilbert, I'm wondering what's going on. He's a young player. As a long season unfolds, you're going to have stretches like this. Is he going to be able to get out of it by the end of the season? It would be huge for the Mariners to make any playoff push. The text continues, I think the Mariners are just a good matchup for Oakland to really push them over the top. They need a couple more bats in the lineup, either getting a bat to, or hopefully next year, a couple of our hitters uh, make up for it. Another text, this one is from Taylor. 
Heck, yes, they are. What position do they have an advantage? The A's. Center field first. Pretty close. We have a better pen. We have Kyle Lewis coming back. Similar starting pitching. Look at the teams in the dugout. This is an interesting observation by Taylor at the end. The Mariners are always smiling and believing in each other. They're the better team. It's one of those weird things where belief, self-belief, confidence, etc. It's it's hard to it's hard to describe whether or not it exists to show examples of how it exists. Watching these guys and their demeanor in the clubhouse and I would say comparing it to Oakland, and I think Oakland always is expecting the worst, at least of late. That is a, that is one way to take a look at things. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, one last text. This text asks, why aren't we talking about how Mitch Hanniger's been? I think we need to see more out of Mitch Hanniger. Yeah, he had a home run on Saturday. Those series against Houston, he's two for 25 the last two series. He is batting 221 this month. He can do better. You need more out of Mitch Hanniger. He's got to catch up to Ty France. A lot of thanks to go around for today's edition of the Paul Gallant Show. To the texters, to the tweeters, to our caller, Robert and Kirkland. To the Grots, who stopped by earlier, thanks to Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. And to Maura Dooley behind the glass, I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell. Jake and Stacy are next. Have yourselves a wonderful Tuesday.